Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Any volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayala trails? And units available in Tamaria near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Eight or seven is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm Raphael. And I'm Dovey, back at it again with you guys. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about uh, playing at the top of your game. Now, this is, this is a, I guess, a, a, a tactic or a style of personal operation, one could say, which I learned uh, from my improv years when I was uh, doing improv here in Jerusalem on one of our cultural centers. Um, and there's this idea in improv of playing at the top of your game, of always having your your... Uh, I guess your blinders off and always trying to incorporate as much information as you can from the scene that you're involved in um, and uh, really relating to every aspect of the scene and not making any mistakes. So I think a lot of that can be applied to our work here in EMS, um, where whenever we enter a scene, not only are we dealing with you know scene safety and then directly dealing with the patient, but there's a lot more information that we're seeing at that scene, um, which is information which can be very useful to the benefit of our patient and ourselves as responders um, and those who are coming behind us, whether it's a family member who's in pain or in shock, uh, or we see, as one of the stories we talked about here on the podcast before, there's cracks in the walls of the house and the house is about to collapse on our heads, um, or even just other dangers that are in the scene area, um, perhaps some weapons, or if we see signs of you know, violence at the home, um, things we have to be aware of as responders and pass on to the, uh, the various social services or other, other first responders, police or fire that are at the scene and then can be helpful. I think it goes way beyond that. I think it's really just about a gut feeling and pulling yourself out of tunnel vision. I had a, a off record argument here with uh, Raphael on this, and that is, um, comparing the dinosaurs of the field to the rookies. Um, uh, you know, the tunnel vision versus looking at the big picture. We were talking about who has more tunnel vision. Is it the dinosaurs or is it the rookies? I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, have, I, I have no doubt we are talking about rookie tunnel vision that uh, definitely blinds you from everything going all around because you are so worried about making sure you give that right diagnosis of the patient and then you can miss the whole big story. 100%. And uh, Dovey is, is very clearly representing the the team of dinosaurs. I'm more of representing the team of the rookies, uh, I guess, because I have less experience in the field. Thank you, Rafal, for calling me a dinosaur. I appreciate that. <laughs> no yeah, problem. I guess, I guess over 30 years, sort of. Well, my kids always tell me, Dad, when you were a kid, were dinosaurs walking on the street? So <laughs> There you go. And you're like, yes, yes, they were. And if you don't eat your dinner, they're going to eat you. So, um, now, my, uh, my kids haven't quite asked me that question yet, but... Uh, I've only been in there in the field. That's for six just years. because they're not old enough. I know. Um, it's it's the bald head, really. You can't see it, but it's it's shiny. Um, so the um, uh, I represent more of the rookies, and I'm like maybe a fresh perspective and a new set of eyes coming into the scene might be helpful as opposed to the people who've been doing it for twenty or thirty years and and see the same thing over and over again. Um, so there, I think there's what to be said for both arguments. And I'll, both t- I'll tell you honestly, when I walk into a patient's house today. Uh, we, we really, you know, not to be, um, um, uh, what's the word for it, pompous or, or something like that, is really, we really have seen it all. 
And the patient, will, whether it's chest pain or, or, or CHF or, or whatever it is, we really have seen it all. And I think we take that, we first of all, always let the rookies run in first, of course, because <laughs> you're dragging behind. But but when we do walk into that house, into the address, I, I think we, we automatically are, are looking around. We're looking around much more to get a better idea of what's going on in this address that we're walking into. Right. Whether it's a pediatric call, obviously even more when we're on a pediatric call, we'll automatically look around more, get a better idea. Is the house organized? Is it a mess? Does it look like there are other things happening in this house? It really, I mean, all we need to do is be aware of what's going on and then we get a much better picture of what this patient or what this call uh, may be representing to us rather than that onset symptoms that you might see. For sure. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about. Like that's really going in with that mindset is really playing at the top of your game so you can get all the information you have uh, before or while you're treating the patient. And obviously it depends on on how much of an um, urgent situation it is, um, but whether you're going to take that step back before you treat the patient or if you have like, you know, someone who's gushing blood out of an artery that, or limb that's like chopped off. You're going to put that tourniquet on well, and then take a look around. Obviously, obviously, obviously. By the way, parts of the professional part is really not to get dirty, okay? Really <laughs> being a real dinosaur is keeping your uniform clean no matter what happens right. to That's the patient. That's how you tell the rookie to put the tourniquet <laughs> on, and you're standing there taking taking stock of what's going on in the house. Um, I think but, it also maybe connects um, us in the EMS field um, really develop a, a very strong gut feeling about certain things um, and the and, and the calls and everything, and and I think that a lot that only comes with experience. That only comes with experience and with accumulating accumulating data from around you. That creates that gut feeling that sometimes is wrong, but I would say on scale in the vast majority of the cases, our gut feeling does not fail us. If we think that this is a child abuse. Uh, suspected child abuse, in the most cases, it will probably end up being a child abuse. If we're talking about domestic uh, violence, usually uh, our gut feeling will not fail us. And I think this really, like you say, Rafael, is really being on top of your game, um, is really seeing picking up those signs from all around. Um, and 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 it doesn't not only in the field. I mean, we all know the famous story of the of that dispatcher that got a call of uh, someone that was ordering pizza. And instead of hanging up, their gut feeling, this was a seasoned veteran um, um, dispatcher, that immediately when they picked up the phone and said, 911, what's your emergency? And they say, we want to order pizza. And they didn't immediately hang up on them because they were at the top of their game and they understood, wait a second, something here doesn't add up and they started asking questions like, are you in trouble? And they're like, yeah, I'd like to have it with a pepperoni. And, and immediately from right, there you on, get the address and you get the address, you get all police uh, wh whatever there, you yeah. need. And immediately dispatch police, um, uh, you know, uh, EMS and everyone to the scene. And, and, and this, uh, this young lady was, was, uh, was saved. And I think that's really what, what, what being on top of your game means. Absolutely. And it's, and it's doing that so you can help the patient, whatever, whatever state you might find them in. Um, going back to the rookie dinosaur thing, because you brought it up, um, I'll tell the story from Friday, uh, sure. from this past Friday, where it was, 
Um, we had a, we had this emergency call in the town that I live, and it came out as as a, a car accident. Uh, it came out as a light car accident, and it was a neighborhood over where there's a number of first responders. So I waited for a minute, and nobody said they were en route. So I said, "Fine, I'm going to go." And I went over. I got there first, um, and there was nothing. There was no cars <clears> on the street. There were like in, everyone was parked. There was no cars even moving on the street. Um, and I was looking around, and looking around, and looking around, and nothing's there. And the, you know, uh, uh, security car comes up and also looking around and the two of us do a back and forth on the street and don't find anything whole street. So we're waiting around. The ambulance shows up a few minutes later, comes in and we tell them what we've seen and what we've, what we've noticed. And the ambulance is like, okay, the ambulance does once up and down on the, on the street. It's not a very long street and says, okay, you guys are all canceled. There's nothing here. And the ambulance turned around and left the security turned around and left. And I said, you know, maybe something seems off. Like you said, I'm, I was going with my gut reaction, my, my, my gut feeling. I said, something seems off. And, and I'm, on, I'm on my ambicycle, so thank God for the ambicycle. Uh, I basically went to the end of the street, and I saw there was a, a turnoff um, kind of into a, a little bit of a park. Um, and on the pathway in the park, which is wide enough for a car, um, I started driving down, and I went behind the address, uh, which is not the street itself, but it's in the park. And lo and behold, I found the accident. Everyone else had left. No one had thought to look down there, but that was the address given because it was the only address they could, even though they were actually in the park. Um, and a few minutes later, the police showed up and I directed them to where the accident actually was. Uh, then there wasn't any severe medical emergency in that instance. Um, I didn't need to call the ambulance back, but um, indeed I did find the accident. Had it been a more serious accident, we would have had a problem. Everyone would have already been left and had to come back again. Um, and that's really, I think just, just that gut reaction, like something was off. We were saying there's nothing at the address, but we got the call at the address. Let's, you know, and we all did our due diligence. We all looked around. We all did, uh, our, our, um, I guess search on the street itself, but there was another street, which some people missed because it wasn't, they weren't open to that idea or that concept that, Hey, maybe there is something else here. And I guess no, come on, it goes back to volunteer versus professional professional does their job at the minimum needed and goes back. It's like, you never see a, 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 a professional running, <coughs> sorry, to the cardiac arrest. Whereas the volunteer you'll see racing to the cardiac arrest. Unless but, they're a rookie. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> the rookies, of course. Well, well, if we're talking about rookies, rookie, if, we, if we're talking dinosaur. about rookies and dinosaurs, maybe we should have called the episode rookies Rookie and dinosaurs. dinosaurs. Maybe we will. Not top of your game, but, <laughs> but, but it, it takes me back to a call that I was taking one of these rookies. We get sent out to a, uh, um, severe, uh, pulmonary edema, elderly person, and we pull up and obviously he jumps out of the ambulance, runs there, and I'm grabbing the rest of the equipment, the monitor, you know, all the, 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 the rest of the equipment. And I get to the patient. The patient is waiting outside of the house, standing there, severe difficulty breathing. Um, and, and, and my, uh, my EMT rookie, there was literally maybe two, three days on the job. He starts pulling out the pulse socks and the blood pressure. And like, I turned to him, you know, totally cool, like a real dinosaur that I am. And I say, dude, throw an oxygen mask on his face. <laughs> like, <laughs> like forget the pulse socks like, and the blood forget pressure. Forget the pulse socks and the blood pressure. The guy is diaphoretic. He's pouring all over the place. He can hardly breathe. He cannot say more than half a word. And I'm yeah. like, dude, get out of your tunnel and your equipment. Throw oxygen on his face because we're going for a tube in a second. Um, so it, it really is. Right. <laughs> 
For sure. I had I had a very similar uh, experience. Also, would not I guess this sort of like is a gray area of like rookies and rookies and dinosaurs because you know I'm six years in and I don't know where that puts me exactly, rookie or dinosaur or both, um, or a little, little bit of both. Um, but I got to a call also last week and and it was a shortness of breath call. The guy had a um, uh, oxygen saturation level of somewhere in the 70s, low 70s, and between the time that I measured him the first time and the time I got the oxygen mask out, it dropped below 70 and was heading downwards. So I got the oxygen mask on him really quickly. And after that, I started, his wife was there. I started asking his wife all the, uh, you know, the, the questions, taking an oral history, um, getting all the information that I needed. And uh, what I found out that he was also an oncology patient. And he also, he also has cardiac is- history, like history of cardiac issues. Um, he was complaining a little bit of chest pain and everything. Um, so I got there and, and I gave him the oxygen therapy. I took his, afterwards, I took his blood pressure. It seemed relatively normal for him. Uh, and the ambulance got there and they're like, oh, let's start doing everything again. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Hospital. Let's go. Scoop and run. They're like, what? And I said, yeah, oncology, cardiac issues, low oxygen saturation, go. Like, you don't need to start asking. And they, they wanted to keep asking questions. And I said, move back. Um, and that was one thing they wanted to like sort of give their, they had two rookies with them and they wanted to give them a little bit of training. I'm like, do it in the ambulance. You've got a 25 minute drive at least to the hospital at best go. And that's eventually what they did. Um, thankfully the person's back home now and, and feeling much better. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, you have to go in and I think, I think there's maybe it's a little bit of, uh, the answer here might be a little bit of best of both worlds is going in with that urgency a little bit but also with the experience and the looking around and the playing at the top of your game that the dinosaurs usually bring to the table. Yeah, I think it's also adding up uh, adding up the information that you're getting. If you get a call about a certain, I don't know, maybe even we spoke about this in one of the previous podcasts, is, is you get a call for a um, cardiac arrest or, or, or whatever it is, and you're walking into the house and the police is there and it looks more like a scene of domestic violence and you're like, something doesn't add up here. This is not what we got. So you can obviously immediately dive into treating that person that was lightly injured or, or whatever, of course, is in very uh, emotional about the whole situation. Or you can check back and say, wait a second, in this building, there are a few more apartments. Maybe we're not in the right place. Maybe this is coincidental. And then you run out to the hallway and, and or, or recheck with dispatch about an information, adding up names and this and that. And they say, wait a second, this is not our primary call and you run three flights up and there's the cardiac arrest right there. Right. So it really is, um, you know, it's taking that extra, you know, in the book, uh, house of God, I think it was that every medical student, great book, um, is a book. must read by the way, um, is, is when you get, when you get the CPR call to cardiac arrest rule, number one, refile, Check your pulse. Check first. your own pulse. <laughs> exactly. Not so. when you get there. Before you go. Before you go. In our, yeah. When he's in the hospital, he was talking about yes. When you have a cardiac crisis, you check your own pulse first. For us, when we get the call and we're jumping on our ambicycles, cars, whatever it happens to be, that's when you check your pulse. You don't want to get into a, a car accident or anything before. That's what. That's where I got that reference. Was from yeah. one of our fellow, one of my fellow ambicycle drivers is like, before you go anywhere, check your pulse before you start driving. I'm like, yeah, okay, don't, don't step on the accelerator. Um, I, I always used to say. I've been driving an ambulance since 1995 and that just really shows what a dinosaur I am. (laughs) But I remember that my instructor taught me, and and this goes with me till today. It really goes with me till today. No matter what the call is that you're being dispatched to, while you're going to the ambulance and throwing the keys in the ignition and starting it, take 10 seconds 
10 seconds to plan your route. General idea. This was before the days of GPS and all of that Waze stuff. And all that good stuff, yeah. And, and, and what this enables you to do is basically build like a system in your head of a general idea where you're going and how you're going to get there. Yes, traffic might be different on the way. You might do a detour, but you know where you're going. You're not like diving in um, into this tunnel and, and, and heading down there and then uh, not knowing what you're doing on the way. Right. Um, and also think of an alternate route in case you get hit with a lot of traffic in one specific exactly, area. Or you improvise as you go along. Exactly. But, We're back but, to improvisation. There you Full go. Improvs. There you go. Because <laughs> improv, proper improvisation really means you're playing at the top of your game. Yeah. Uh, and um, What's the title of this episode? I don't know. <laughs> it goes back sure. and forth. Well, dinosaurs and... Dinosaur, rookies and dinosaurs? Or I don't know. Whatever. Having fun, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's I said, Rafael, we need to. I said before we started this, I said, why don't we just scratch this topic and go for fun? That's right. <laughs> and in truth, uh, you you referenced the book, so now I'll reference a book. And there's a book. Um, uh, I trying to remember which one it was. Um, I think it was A Thousand Naked Strangers, um, which is also an EMS book uh, about uh, one one provider's um, whole experience going through the process of becoming an EMT from a rookie. And then training to become later on a paramedic and then becoming a dinosaur uh, and and eventually retiring from the field. Um, but at the end, he's, he says, and someone asked him, uh, someone asked him in character, he said, why do you do what you do? If you, if you could sum up your 20 years in the field and profession, why do you do it? And he turned around and said, it's just fun. Like We go out and yes, we're saving people. And yes, uh, you know, we lose people. And yes, we, we face some serious, very serious um, scenes that will stay with us forever. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're doing this because there's there's a good feeling we're getting from helping people. And it's it's a fun profession. Let's yeah. call it what it is. Most it's people the, it's don't not get dri- to do It's not driving the desk, put it that way. It yeah. certainly isn't. And again, um, it scars us in so many ways. <laughs> but so does everything <laughs> which, else. Which we treat with black humor to no, to no limits. Of course. Um, but to sitting behind a desk for 20 years scars you in a lot of ways also. It just depends. You're, you're kind of yeah. like choosing which scars you're going to yeah. But you know, what life. really pushes us is this morning, this morning, literally this morning, there was a call. Uh, I, I, I myself not respond to it, but one of my colleagues did. A 34-year-old uh, male cardiac arrest, sudden cardiac arrest. And one of our volunteers that lives literally next door to him ran got it on his on his on the on the, on the app ran over to him hooked up an AED shocked him twice the guy wakes up and says hey david what are you doing here why are you in my house <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> literally and wow. I, you know i say nothing beats that to explain why we are doing what we're doing absolutely and that that's what it's all about and 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 uh, I mean, obviously, we learned different tricks of the trade over the years, and and we learned how to get the bigger picture, and 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 notice all the small stuff to put together these puzzles, um, because the 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 better the puzzle is is, is built up, um, the better the care the patient will get, and and, and moving down the road. Um, but but I I think at the end of the day, bottom line, these calls are what keep us going. Absolutely, and it's amazing that he woke up. Like right there and then. That He's like, David, happen. what are you doing here? <laughs> that doesn't happen so much in, in CPRs, but terrific. You know, it's amazing. That's really great. Well, it story. was a witness sudden cardiac arrest by his wife. Right. She immediately called for the help. Volunteer lived literally next door, less than two minutes wow. from collapse to connection to the fibrillator. Literally. That's amazing. That's amazing. We have we have another story recently, which I'm I'm I just found out about. Um, was a fellow in a in a store 
uh, down in one of the southern neighborhoods of Yerushalayim. Um, was working, you know, working in the store, got himself a cup of coffee, put the cup of coffee down on the counter where he works. He works behind the fish counter in this supermarket. And he put the cup of coffee down and then collapsed. And, uh, you know, his coworkers called for emergency services. We had an ambulance two streets over. Um, so one of my one of my close friends, her name's Kalanit, uh, was on the ambulance uh, with two other volunteers. They arrived with also, again, less than two minutes, uh, started CPR, attached a defibrillator, gave the guy shock. He didn't wake up at the scene, but he woke up shortly thereafter in the hospital. Um, he regained a pulse at the scene, he regained breathing at the scene, and then was brought to the hospital, woke up in the hospital a day later, and two weeks later was back at work. And I went to, I actually was shopping in that store, and I went in with my jacket on because I was coming up for my, for my ambicycle. Uh, and I walked in and I, you know, I said, oh, you know, is this the store where so and such happened? And he said, yeah, that was me. And I'm like, oh, the guy was two weeks later. He's back that's, in the office, that's, back, like back behind the desk fun. at the fish counter. Those those are fun. I got those some fish re- from him. Those really fuel us. They really do. And it's uh, it's amazing to see that like people walking around in the, you know, in our daily lives who we've helped. Um, I think that's also goes back to, to what we do is really on the community level. So we get to see these people. They're in our supermarkets and the banks and in the post office. Next door neighbors. And our next door neighbors. And it really, really is very special. Yeah. Um, in relation to that, in the community, I actually had a, a celebration last week, uh, last week on, on Saturday or Shabbat here in Israel. Uh, I was invited to uh, a circumcision of a baby I helped deliver the week before. At two did they name the him after you? They didn't. <laughs> I was very upset. <laughs> this, is a, this is a family that I, I didn't even really know, but they know my wife very well. Um, and they're, they're two streets over. I was the first person to respond. There was a, two other volunteers from United Solid as well, and we we helped deliver the baby. And then ambulance came and took him to the hospital, et cetera. Uh, and we ended up uh, ended up going back for the you know the celebration afterwards, circumcision on the eighth day, as we do in the Jewish custom. And they um, they had a nice celebration. They they thanked us uh, for showing up, um, and that it was a great uh, great feeling. Like you were saying, also part of the community, part of helping people, and of course, births are always wonderful calls to participate in. Um, I was kind of surprised she still talks to me, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just crossed the street. Yeah, yeah. So top of the game, top of the game. Um, I, I think that if we'll circle back to a little bit of seriousness, back to the top of the game, um, I, I think it also goes back once again to that rookie um, dinosaur thing and in in, in being top of the game here in Israel in the winter seasons. So uh, the, uh, it's very common here. The heating systems in the houses, for example, are heated with natural gas. And, and what happens is um, the systems that are installed in the houses um, can uh, can malfunction and uh, create carbon monoxide poisoning. And nobody has a CO two monitor. It does not exactly. Exist. It's it, they're not very common here, unfortunately. And 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 what we, we lean on our EMS um, colleagues in the field. And and unfortunately, like I said, it's the rookies that that don't pick up on this fast enough. When you're dispatched an unresponsive um, a patient yeah. at two a.m. Uh, on a winter night, and they walk in the house, and and the and and there is a unresponsive patient on the floor, and suddenly, while they dive into that unresponsive patient, you like look around, and you see the family member also isn't a hundred percent with it, 
And immediately that like red flags, okay, guys, open windows, everything, shut the gas in the house. This is a suspected carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. And, 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 and then you prevent you know, safety of yourself as well. For sure. And, 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 and everybody else, but also is, is it also to get the right treatment afterwards, you know, getting to the uh, pressure chambers and, and, and whatever it is for, for the correct uh, treatment, getting the right um, diagnosis of the situation. So, so those, those are points that are very important uh, to notice. And, and, and that goes back to, you know, getting that broader picture of the scene of the call, getting that, you know, that information that you're gathering from around and, and, and not to dive into that patient alone. Um, uh, and, and, and safety goes across the board. I mean, it could be for, for many other reasons. Well, obviously we all think of safety, obviously when it comes to fire or a MVA is the car secured? Is the, is the, is the, are, are those things secured? But, but sometimes it's these calls that you don't even think about at the beginning and only with that experience and, and being on top of your game, really, uh, um, uh, you, you red flag it really, really fast. Yes, very much so. And there's a lot of things that come with experience like that, where you can start red flagging things uh, quickly. Um, so there's definitely a lot of importance to to that and to experience. And I think uh, just to not counter that, but also talk about the you know the the enthusiasm aspect and the the uh, sense of urgency which a lot of rookies do bring to the field. Um, I had a call recently, also this is a couple of months ago, going back where we had a, a dinosaur uh, show up at the scene, his paramedic, and right when he was on the way to the scene, he said, "No one else needs to show up. I got this. I got it handled. We're all good." And he walked in, and I was there at the scene, and he walked in, uh, and there was a rookie of mine who was also at the scene. Relatively new, uh, new responder. And the guy walked in and said, you can all leave. I'm here. We're good. I got under control. I know the situation. It was a shortness of breath call. And he walked in without any equipment. Makes sense. Makes sense. He's got under control. Um, so as the scene developed, he realized he needed an oxygen tank pretty quickly. At which point the rookie was like, I brought all my stuff. Here you go. And it was the rookie who kind of saved the day there. Even well, actually, though he was called actually, off and told not to leave. As, as, as a dinosaur paramedic, I got to say that the rookies are good also at another thing. And that is when we all hear the horseshoes, they think of zebras, not horses. And those are those bizarre. I think you're going to have to explain what you mean. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure anyone in the field understands that when you hear horseshoes, you're thinking of a herd of horses. But it can also be a zebra. And those, I always say the patients don't always read the textbook. For sure. And well, I would say in most cases, the patients don't read the textbook, um, but they also know how to like bring out those bizarre um, diagnoses that you as a, as a dinosaur will say, oh, come on, impossible. And then you eat, end up eating up your hat because uh because right. it really was and he's fresh out of the classroom he's with, like, with I know all those page 27 cra crazy diagnoses yeah. and hey what do you know he was right so uh so we admit and then go have a donut <laughs> <laughs> together we share that donut together um so i think there's really the conclusion we have is that there's good parts of both yeah the rookies and the dinosaurs um, and that if you incorporate both, you will be playing at the top of your game. I think it, I, I think that's what creates being on top of the game, creating teams of dinosaurs and rookies. Um, that the dinosaurs can give the rookies a lot of tricks of the trade, um, a lot of uh, insight on years and years and thousands of patients of experience. And the rookies can re remind us 
that there's a lot of stuff out there that maybe we haven't seen. And of course, to respect other uh, um, other uh, ideas and directions. young enthusiastic responders who might annoy the heck out of us, but yes, yeah, sometimes they're and necessary. They end up carrying all the equipment, they so do. we don't mind. They do. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's also it's also important for for the rookies to gain uh, gain that, that experience, um, and for you know the. Every now and then, it's it's nice uh, for the dinosaurs. Don't give them so much crap for for being uh, uh being you know in, too enthusiastic and too uh, brown nosed or um is that brown nosed brown nosed is new yeah um and that yeah so I think uh, I think use both play at the top of your game and go out there and and try and help the patients that were there to help um beginning of the shift end of the shift middle of the shift they don't know the difference so try and give them the best that we can. The patient uh, we get to is all for him is, is is the first time seeing us. Correct. Even if they're patient number 10. And even if it's the 10th time they've seen us and they're patient number one, <laughs> um, we still have to give them the top of our game in order to make sure that we properly care for them because that's what they need and that's what we're here for. So all remember, top of the game, be at the top of your game, keep your uniform clean, and stay safe out there. <laughs> Amen. All right, that's all the time we have now. Thanks so much. Take care, guys. We're signing off, and we'll see you next time.